We've got great news to share with you this week about what God is doing in China. We've seen already that, that God is on the move among the Chinese people. God is on the move in China, and his church there is growing. But that growth has been noticed by enemies of the gospel. It's pretty clear that the Communist Party has instituted a crackdown uh, throughout China on Christianity. We'll hear more about how the church is growing, how Christians are witnessing boldly for Christ in spite of the risks, and how the Voice of the Martyrs is able to stand with gospel workers on the front lines. That's all coming up right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Jesus never promised his followers an easy path. In fact, he told his disciples that the world would hate them. He sent them out as sheep among wolves. Jesus' words came true in the life of the apostles, and they're still coming true today in the lives of his followers around the world. Join host Todd Nettleton as we hear their inspiring stories and learn how we can help, right now on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. Welcome again to the Voice of the Martyrs radio. Today in our studio, we're uh, gonna do kind of a little trip report uh, we have two of our international workers, and uh, as our longtime listeners know, our international workers only have one name as, as far as VOM Radio is concerned. Uh, so we have Brother Jonathan and we have Brother Nick, uh, and they are going to share because they just got back from a trip to the Far East, uh, and so we are going to talk about their trip. Nick and Jonathan, welcome to Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks, Todd. Thanks. Okay, let's talk, uh, and I know this is an interesting little kind of perspective because uh, Nick has been to China many times. He oversees much of our work there. Uh, Jonathan, this was your first time in China. Absolutely. What, uh, what sticks out in your mind that is maybe different from what you've seen in other nations or just as a first-timer, what, kind of, what was your experience of China? I think the most surprising thing to me going to China was knowing that the population is so massive. I was surprised as we flew around the country how much just open wilderness there is, open space. And then when you get to the city, just the unbelievable press of people. Massive humanity. Did you yeah. get a chance to ride the subway? I did. I rode the subway several times with Good. Nick and survived. You and several million of your friends. My closest <laughs> friends. <laughs> Very close friends. Um Obviously, the purpose of your trip wasn't just tourism. It was to go and, and further VOM's work and to see what's going on with the church there. Uh, there's been a lot of attention paid in the last couple of months to uh, the destruction of church buildings, the tearing down of crosses off of those. And, and Nick, maybe you can give us some insights about why that's happening uh, and how widespread is it? Because we hear, you know, literally thousands of churches are having the crosses torn down. Uh, so give our listeners just a little insight about what's really going on with the church in China right now. Well, um, from traveling around here for the last month, we know uh, that this year has been an especially difficult one for Christians, and really not just this year, but starting last year, because the uh, the crackdown on churches in Wenzhou, for example, that's been going on for a while now. But it's pretty clear that the Communist Party has instituted a crackdown uh, throughout China on Christianity, and this kind of goes hand-in-hand hand with um, their campaign to uh, purify the party, to go against anti-corruption. So, of course, the party's always seen Christianity as a big threat 
And the new president of China has made it very clear that part of the process of purifying the party is to return the party and China to its Marxist, Buddhist, Confucianist roots. And Christianity stands in the way of that, in the minds of the, the leaders. So the leadership uh, has been working on this big plan. I think it's been years in the making, and we're really finally seeing the fruits of it. And so what's happened in Wenzhou with the crosses being torn down, with churches also being torn down, that's just uh, part of what's going on in the whole country. And uh, everywhere we go, we're hearing about uh, warehouses being raided, uh, churches being raided, um, people being thrown in prison. And we realize that uh, this is just, I guess, the year that the party is really going after Christians. It's interesting to hear the, the statement to purify the party. They, they really see Christianity as a corrupting influence against communism, against Marxism, against the roots of that. Uh, so even in a country where they, they would like to tell the world, we have religious freedom, uh, but they really do see that as dangerous. Being a Christian is dangerous to the Communist Party, and they see that very clearly. Yes, that's right. And really what it also shows is that Christianity has infiltrated the party. It's not just the country at large. We know that uh, there are plenty of government officials, even high up, who are Christians. And that's a huge problem for the leadership. So they want to purge the party, and they also want to purge the country. Jonathan, I know you had an interesting experience in China, and, and often, you know, we've talked about how fast the church is growing in China, and why is that, and what are they doing, and uh, tell us about your experience of, uh, of being evangelized by a Chinese Christian. Sure. I, I grew up in the church uh, here in, in the States, and, and I've for a long time said no one has ever shared the gospel with me outside of a church building. Never had anyone come up to me on the street and ask me if I knew Jesus or anything so on our trip, I was, we were on a flight uh, flying inside the country, and I was sitting next to a, a young Chinese lady. And as the flight was taxing to take off, we haven't even gotten off the ground yet, she turns to me before anything else and says, do you know Jesus? And she proceeds to share the gospel with me. Um, she finds out that I'm a Christian, and she asks if I'm a real Christian. And I said, <laughs> I said yes. And she said, do you read your Bible every day? And I said, yes. And she said, do you pray every day? And I said, yes. And she said, do you share the gospel? And I hesitatingly said, yes. Um, and then once she was satisfied with my eternal condition, she turned to the Chinese man on the window and began to share the gospel with him. And she talked to him for about 20 minutes on the flight. And then she turned to me and she said, you should pray for this, this man. He, I've just told him about Jesus, but he doesn't believe. And uh, as we, the flight was going on, I realized that her husband was sitting across the aisle and one row up from us. And I had offered him my seat and he goes, no, it's okay. And what I realized was he was sharing the gospel with the people on his row. Wow. Um, so I was, it was amazing to me to have just this girl right out of the blue say, do you know Jesus in the middle of China? And, and to strategically position her and her husband yeah. uh, 
It was amazing. <laughs> I fly not as much as you, but I fly a fair amount. And the last place I ever want to be is in a middle seat. <laughs> so, so to intentionally sign up for a middle seat so that you can talk to the person on your left and on your right and to do it before you ever leave the runway, that is, it shows a very strategic and a very intentional way. And, you know, we asked the question, why is the Chinese church growing? Well, if you have a church full of people like that, you're going to grow. There's, there's not going to be a way you can stop growing. Absolutely. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs radio network. What were some of the things that that struck you about the Chinese church? Uh, just, uh, again, your first visit to China, your first encounter with them— uh, what were some of the qualities that you saw or the stories that you heard that you're like, oh, yeah, now I understand better the church in China? Well, I, I think it was a lot of the stories of just the faithfulness of Chinese believers in the midst of a very difficult situation. Uh, I, I was surprised by one one brother that we met who the authorities had just been with him and said, you can't meet with foreigners. And then we <laughs> and said, then... well, should that be is that a problem? He said, no, I'll pick you up in my van. And, and wow. was willing to meet with us. So uh, I, that was encouraging to me. I, I think, like you're saying, of course the church is growing. When you have a church full of people like that, uh, it's going to grow. I, I think the other exciting thing was some of the, the things we heard about, the work among minority peoples, uh, Tibetans, Uyghurs, different groups. Uh, God seems to be working on the edges maybe a little bit, and, uh, and that's really exciting to, to hear about. And you would, you would think that with this crackdown there would be a lot of fear out there, but really, we didn't encounter fear. We encountered people who are moving forward, who are pushing back, and who are doing the work no matter what's going on in Beijing. They're just continuing. I thought it was interesting that it for some of them, they don't even seem that worried about security. They just assume the government knows what they're doing, and they do it anyway. Wow. Well, they try to be smart about it, right. but they're, they're not hiding. But they're not that worried about it. Yeah. So... You're listening to The Voice of the Martyrs Radio. We're talking with Brother Jonathan and Brother Nick, part of our international staff here at Voice of the Martyrs, and they've just returned from China. Uh, Nick, Jonathan mentioned some of the minority groups there. Uh, he mentioned the Uyghurs. Tell us a little bit about what's happening. And for our listeners that don't know, uh, the Uyghurs live out in the western part of China. Uh, they are a traditionally Muslim people group. Uh, and so they have been oppressed over the years by the Chinese government. The Chinese government has moved massive quantities of Han Chinese people out there to try to uh, bring them under control and bring them into the whole system. What's happening with the church among the Uyghurs? Well, one of my favorite places to travel in China is Xinjiang, and I really enjoy taking Jonathan out there because we traveled quite a bit in the east, but it's always fun to go out there and see how different this province is. We're talking about a province that is four times the size of California. Um, and yes, there are 10 million or more uh, Uyghurs out there. Almost all of them are, are Muslim. Uh, so it was really our, our pleasure and privilege to get to sit down with uh, a couple of Uyghurs. It's always a very sensitive place to be. Um, our, our meetings, we really have to think about where we have the meetings uh, because you know we're 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 very concerned about who's watching, and in Xinjiang, there are always cameras everywhere. Everywhere you go, people are watching. So just to sit down and talk, 
and, and let me let me just cut in there because part of the reason for that is the Chinese government assumes the Uyghurs are terrorists. <laughs> so if right. you have a secret meeting of Uyghurs in the in the minds of the Chinese government, uh oh, what are they planning against the government? What kind of terrorism is going to come our way? So that's a part of the mindset that they have to deal with. And obviously, some of them are Christians. They want to meet together. But in the eyes of the government, that's like, uh-oh, we can't let these people have small group meetings. That's right. And really, uh, Muslim, Muslim background believers face its double jeopardy because they have the government who is keeping an eye on them. The government doesn't want them evangelizing because the government sees it as stirring the pot. Uh, but then, of course, you have the Muslim leadership right. uh, who don't want to see people converting to Christianity. So really the story of the Uyghur church right now is that it's small, but it's growing. And I wouldn't char characterize it as an explosion of growth, but it's growing steadily. And really it comes down to how the work is being done and, and you know evangelism in Muslim areas has to be done differently than in, in other parts of China. And so that really is the, the challenge um, for Uyghur Christians and also for Han Chinese who come in to evangelize is it has to be done with a lot of thought. You can't just be out there handing out tracts and throwing Bibles into people's hands. You mentioned the, the Han Chinese coming to evangelize. Does does the Chinese church have a heart for the Uyghur people? Is there a, a mission movement that's developing to say, hey, these guys live in our country, and they don't know Jesus, but obviously, culturally, they're very, very different. Is there is there a lot of that, or is it kind of a little bit, or what's the, what's the status of that? Well, this is what's really been exciting to see, is that the Chinese church in the East really has started to wake up, and... To, to realize that these people here in the West, they are our brothers and sisters, and we need to go and, and, and minister to them. Um, and it's difficult because even though Uyghurs are Chinese and they live in China, um, like I said, it's like a whole different country. Most Han Chinese have never even thought about them, uh, are not familiar with their culture. So for Han Chinese to go to Xinjiang and, and work out there, it takes an incredible amount of, of dedication and um, a mindset that I am going out here to, to be a brother or to be a sister uh, to these people, that I need to go out here to learn the language and I need to, I need to live with them. Um, so yes, I think the church is waking up, but um, it, that's another slow process. Oh, yeah. Well, I, and you really have to go as a missionary, even though you're in the same country. Uh, it, yeah. Culturally, it's a whole different place. You talked with one of the Uyghurs who, who talked about going to a Chinese church uh, and, and the difference between a Chinese church and a Uyghur church or a Uyghur gathering. I don't even know that they would call it a church. Tell us a little bit about that story and, and what his complaint was <laughs> about the Chinese church. Yeah, well, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's always difficult for a Uyghur, and, and in particular the, the, the friend, the brother that we were talking with, to go to a, a Han church because it's big and it's culturally different. Um, I, I think the Han church has worked very hard to try to, to accept 
their Uyghur brothers and sisters. But I think it's quite frankly overwhelming uh, when they go. Uh, of course, everything is in Mandarin, which is not which is their second their language. second language. Yeah. Uh, so I think what our brother was trying to express to us is that, um, you know, he prefers being able to go to a, a, a Uyghur church, which really that term Uyghur church, there really aren't any official Uyghur churches, but to go to a group and to be able to worship with, uh, you know, with, with fellow Uyghurs and to be able to talk about issues that would directly relate to the, the Uyghur people, uh, I think I think that's what he was um, you know, saying. Yeah, I think he was also just talking about uh, being in a small group where he really, they feel like they, they can connect and pray together and know one another. And in larger churches, the same would be true here in the U.S., yeah. if you go to a church of 5,000 people, it's hard to go and then feel like you've connected with a bunch of people. Um, so I, I was encouraged by by this brother, one, because he does his faith isn't simple. Sometimes we think, in these people groups that the first believers are very simple people. and But this brother is, is brilliant and, and is a very sophisticated thinker and, and really has has ideas and plans of how this goes and of, of what the Bible teaches and, and those types of things. So for me, I was encouraged if, if this is one of the leaders of this, this beginning of a Uyghur church or Uyghur movement, it, it's in good hands. It's on a good foundation. Yeah. Would most of the Uyghur meetings that are taking place be in a setting like that? They're in somebody's house. It's maybe, what, 10, 12 people at the most? At the most. At the most. Okay. So, like you say, you're much more connected to each of the other people in the room. If you don't show up, somebody notices, whereas if you're in a large church, you know, maybe you don't show up for a Sunday and and nobody calls and says, hey, where were you? Um you guys went to a couple of other spots as well. You you went to Inner Mongolia. You went or you encountered some Tibetans. Um, tell us a little bit about what God is doing in those different places. I'll, I'll take Tibet, mostly because the airport. I, I We flew into a city called Kanding, and the airport is sitting at 13,000 feet. Oh, my. So they <laughs> hand, you could get oxygen at the airport. I've never been in an airport did you uh, have to buy it, or was it free? I, I don't know. We we just tried to get out of there as quick I think as you we could. could. Buy, I think you can. They they sell in pillows, but they also administrate it. Uh, they have a special medical room for people who, who are, are short sick. Of breath. Right. Wow! And, it, and as we were leaving, we were invited into a lounge that was heated, and they pump oxygen into. So, uh, <laughs> Tibet is a different kind of place. Uh, we were meeting with different folks who've been in Tibet for a long time and working. And I think the thing that I took away one is just how incredibly remote the Tibetans are. I mean, you fly over these mountain ranges and way up these valleys in the, you know, in the middle of nowhere at 20,000 feet are these people living, and somebody's got to go take the gospel to them. I was encouraged by, by our brothers and sisters who were saying they really feel like this may be the beginning of a, of a time, maybe where God is, is moving among Tibetans. We'll have to wait and see. Um, but are there people going to those far villages, and are they are they Chinese people? Are they foreigners? A little bit of both, or who, a little bit who's of both. going? A little bit of both. Uh, we met some some hardy Westerners who uh, <laughs> who lead treks and things out into unbelievably remote places. I mean, they would talk about places you walk six, seven days to get there. Wow! Uh, all of it above like fifteen, sixteen thousand feet to get up into these valleys. So. 
people are paying a price to take the gospel to the Tibetans, and, and we just continue to pray that God would, would move among these people. You're listening to Todd Nettleton on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network. You can listen to every episode of VOM Radio at www.vomradio.net. What are some of the things, and I know obviously whenever we talk about VOM's work in in a place like that, we can't talk too much and maybe we can't talk at all, but what are some of the things that Voice of the Martyrs is doing, uh, particularly in some of these remote areas, so Western China, uh, Tibet, Mongolia, what are some of the ways that Voice of the Martyrs is helping the church or helping the gospel to go forward? Well, one thing that uh, we are already doing in Tibet specifically is we're partnering with local evangelists who are literally traveling from village to village spreading the gospel. And so, obviously, you know, someone for Jonathan and I, there are really parts of Tibet where we can't even yeah, go. You would never you know, be access able to go. is an issue. So um, it's such a privilege to be able to partner. We're actually partnering with Tibetans who can speak the language, who understand the, the context of Buddhism within culture, because that's another challenge is just, you know, a lot of Han Chinese come out to try to evangelize Tibetans, but they don't necessarily understand how to do it effectively. You've really got to pierce the um, the ideas that that Tibetans have about about God and, and Buddhism, so that's that's what we do, um, and then of course we're 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 exploring other opportunities, um, and I can say that it's it's great that we're we're really shifting our focus, some of our focus to the West, and so right now I feel like it's kind of a beginning for us. I think if our if our listeners wanted to pray for Tibetans, the thing to pray what we heard over and over was. Oftentimes, one brother or sister will come to Christ in a village, and then the evangelist moves on or, or whatever, and there's no one there except this one guy. Wow. And in Tibetan culture, to be Tibetan is to be Buddhist, and it's a, it's a shame on the family and everything. So it's so hard for those new believers to stand. So I would say praying for new believers among the Tibetan people, it would be a great project for now, our work. Do they have Bibles? Do they have Bible in the in the Tibetan language? Yes, they do. It is available. Okay. But still, if you're one guy in a village, even if you have a Bible, that's you're yeah. very isolated. Right. Yeah. You're listening to the Voice of the Martyrs radio, and, and we're talking with Brother Nick and Brother Jonathan, who just returned from China. Um, Jonathan, you mentioned how we can pray. Uh, let's talk about China as a whole. What are some things that we can pray for among the Uyghurs uh, and among China, kind of the broader picture of China, especially in light of what's going on right now with with this uh, sort of hard pressing on the church by the Communist Party that you talked about earlier? I think we need to pray for boldness, continued boldness for the (laughs) Chinese church. More people like the lady on the airplane. More ladies like that. (laughs) Uh, But I think praying for boldness and courage uh, in the midst of a difficult time. Um, to me, that's what it, it all comes down to, because we've seen already that, that God is on the move among the Chinese people, uh, maybe the largest church in the world in China, we don't know, but that they would continue to have boldness and, and courage in the midst of, of really mounting opposition from the government. Yeah, there's definitely a tendency, I think, during these difficult times for, for some house churches to kind of shrink back into their 
their four walls. You know, like, let's try to ride this out or just see what happens, and maybe now we should kind of cut back on evangelism. And so, really, we just need to pray for strength and for boldness that they will continue to, to get out there no matter what's going on, you know, f- from the government. You've talked about several things. The fact that we help evangelists to be out there, uh, we call those people here at Voice of the Martyrs frontline workers. Uh, our listeners who want to be involved in supporting that can give to uh, the Frontline Ministries Fund, which goes to help those workers. Uh, you can connect to that on our website, vomradio.net. Um, the other thing is Bibles. We talked a little bit about that. Uh, are there any projects, and I know part of your work there was meeting with some of our partners. Uh, again, we get into territory that we can't necessarily talk about, but what were some of the things that are coming down the road project-wise and with our partners that, that A, that you can't talk about, and B, that are, that are exciting to you as, as we look ahead to what's going on in China? Well, let me talk quickly about a project that we already completed just recently uh, up in Inner Mongolia, uh, a family that we've been partnering with here for a few years. We were able to provide them with a, a vehicle. Uh, and, they're, and the reason why they needed a vehicle is because they travel thousands of kilometers around Inner Mongolia, another huge province in China. And uh, it's often very difficult to to pick up public transportation to these places. So by providing them with a vehicle, they're able to go from village to village, sharing the gospel, and also discipling those who have already come to Christ. So Jonathan and I got to go and and visit and see this vehicle and see how they're using it and see what a blessing it's already been to them and to their church. Something that most of our listeners probably totally take for granted. Oh, of course I have a vehicle. Uh, But you talk about expanding somebody's ministry just by providing them a a tool to help them be able to go farther and faster and and more conveniently. Go ahead, I think the other exciting thing is just the the talks we had in various places about audio and digital resources, being able to put more resources in the hands of people. Everyone in China seems to have a smartphone. Um, so being able to leverage that kind of technology uh, for the sake of the gospel is something that we're excited about really all over the world. But China, it's amazing, the, the technology that's in China. Yeah. At least for a new guy, it was amazing. And you can, you know, you can search somebody's bag for Bibles, uh, but if everybody's got a smartphone, it's going to be a lot harder to find those, that, right. that contraband material. Nick and Jonathan, thank you very much for sharing with us today. Thank you for uh, your work going to the front lines and meeting these brothers and sisters and encouraging them. Uh, And uh, thanks for being with us on Voice of the Martyrs Radio. Thanks, Todd. Thanks. It's been great to have Nick and Jonathan with us this week. My thanks to both of them. If you missed part of our conversation, you can hear it all, as well as all the other episodes of VOM Radio, on our website, which is www.vomradio.net. If you'd like to give us feedback about our show or ask a question about VOM's work, you can do so at vomradio.net. And there's a link to give online to support frontline workers like those Nick and Jonathan talked about or give to help deliver Bibles into China or other restricted nations. All that is online at vomradio.net. If you want to connect with us on social media, if you're on Facebook, you can search for The Voice of the Martyrs USA, or if you're on Twitter, 
It's at VOM underscore USA. I hope you'll remember to pray for our brothers and sisters in China, especially during the current crackdown by Communist Party leadership. Pray for boldness. Pray for God's protection. And pray that more communist officials will meet Jesus Christ in a personal and life-changing way. Thank you for being with us this week. I hope you'll be back to join us next week right here on the Voice of the Martyrs Radio Network.